0: You are listening to the podcast of Anthem Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, visit us online at anthemcolumbia.com. Amen. Praise God. I I would encourage you guys. I'm trying to find a place to stand up here. This is it is tight. I I would encourage you. Um, if you if you did if you took some time if you raised your hand during that time I would, man. I think, I think one of the lies of the enemy, one of the lies of the devil straight from the pit of hell is that we have to go through things alone, that nobody knows what you're going through, that nobody can relate. That's a lie, okay? And so if you're in here this morning and you're like, yeah, there's stuff going on. I just didn't want to walk up front because that's scary. I get it. I stand up here a lot and I still get scared sometimes because you guys, some of you look scary. Um, I get that. But if you're, if you're like, I didn't want to go up there, don't, don't leave this morning still thinking that you have to go through it on your own. Don't leave this morning just carrying all that weight by yourself, thinking that nobody, nobody will understand, nobody can relate. Don't, don't leave continuing to believe that lie, okay? Because we desire to be in relationship together. And part of being in a relationship together is I, I just talked to Mike and Linda this past week. And they were saying, like, we just don't want to be a burden. Um, we don't want to be a burden. And if you know Mike and Linda, I was like, you, you are the least burdensome people out there. Like, they're, they're incredible. And yet, sometimes we can believe that we're burdens because our stuff is too much. Right, And so just encourage you, we, we want to be in it together with you this morning're we're going we're gonna to be in deuteronomy chapter twenty nine My name is Luke, by the way. Um, sometimes I forget to say that for those of you who are new, I know students are coming back. Um, we're excited about students coming back. We're excited about the new semester and uh, the new building and all these different things. and we do stand with saying we well, forgot to say anything about nursery. there are zero to two, so if you' like if you're Zero to three, all right, so if you're right under that three, you're, you're, you're safe, you're in. So zero to three, we've got nursery this morning, so um, yeah, take advantage of that, I guess. Um, but this morning, we're, we're in Deuteronomy 29, and so if you, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them, turn there, and what we're going to be looking at this morning, we're, we're continuing our walk through um, just this small teaching series that we, we decided to name Foundations, and we're talking about foundations, foundations for our faith, especially as we look at a new year. What does it look like to have, to have strong foundations for our faith? And in Deuteronomy 29, what we see is we see Moses bringing the people of God back together before they enter into the land that God promised them. And he's bringing them together, and what he's doing is he's talking about what it means to be in relationship with this God. What, what it means to kind of navigate the relationship that we can have with God. And some of my Muslim friends, they, they believe, that they have this idea that says, well, at the end of your life, hopefully you have more good than bad deeds. Like, hopefully you have a list that's longer on your good side than your bad side. Because if, if you have a list of, bad, of good deeds that's bigger than your bad deeds, then you're in good with God. But you don't know until that moment. You don't know until you get before. And it's like, well, that's Islam. But at the same time, I think that can be true for a lot of us as Christians, as followers of Christ. It's, it's hard to navigate. It's hard to understand, like, well, what if I, what if I do this, or, or what, what happens if I don't do that, or all these different things? It's, it's hard to navigate and know, like, what does it mean to be in with God? What does it mean to be in relationship with God? And that's what Moses is talking about this morning, and that's where we're going. Because he starts in, in verse 1, and we're, we're reading through chapter 29, so so. Buckle up, and if you if you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you a Bible. So there's there's Bibles out in the hallway. So make sure you grab one of those. We just want to give, make sure everybody has uh, has a, a Bible. Twenty nine verse one says, "These are the words of the covenant that the Lord commanded Moses to make with the people of Israel in the land of Moab, beside the covenant besides the covenant that he had made with them at Horeb." Okay, just stop there. Again, context: the people of Israel, the Jewish people, are right at the border of the Jordan. They're right on the banks of the Jordan River. They're looking at the promised land that God had, had, had promised them. They're getting ready to go in. And Moses, is he's getting ready to die. He's not going in. He's, he's setting up Joshua to take the people in. And if this sounds familiar, it should, because just a few weeks ago, I preached at Joshua 1, where God's message to Joshua was, I'm with you. Therefore, be strong and courageous. Go in. Take, take the land that I have promised you. And this is kind of the prequel to that. And don't worry, if you miss the first one, you're not going to be lost. It's not like an Avengers movie. But, but the, this, is, this is the prequel. They're getting ready to go in, and he says in verse 2, And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, You have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land, the great trials that your eyes saw, the signs and those great wonders. But to this day the Lord has not given you a heart to understand or eyes to see or ears to hear. Verse 5, I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out on you, and your sandals have not worn off your feet. You have not eaten bread, and you have not drunk wine or strong drink, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. And when you came to this place, Sion, the king of Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, came out against us to to battle. But we defeated them. We took their land and gave it for an inheritance to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of the Manassites. Therefore, keep the words of this covenant and do them that you may prosper in all that you do. The first thing that I want us to understand as we think about what does it mean for us to be in relationship with God is that... Our knowledge of a person determines our relationship with that person. Our knowledge of God determines what our relationship with God is going to look like. I remember I, t- I was talking to uh, one young man who uh, maybe is, he's a little more romantic in nature, I guess, maybe. And he was talking about how there's, there was this, this girl that he was interested in. He was talking about how pretty she was and how, sh- how smart she was and how much they had in common and how he could really see himself like being with this person long term. And I said, well, okay, yeah, that's, that's cool. What, what have your conversations looked like so far? What does it look like for you to pursue this? And he's like, well, I mean, I, I haven't actually talked to her yet. <laughs> Okay, I mean, okay, okay. Well, well, I mean, how do you know if, if, you know, all those things, how do you know what your relationship's going to be like if you don't even know the person that you're stepping into the relationship with? If You, you don't even know if they like you. I mean, you, you have your marriage plan, but, you you know, you got to have that first conversation. There's steps, right, to a relationship. And, and Moses is saying, hey, I want to shine light on who God is before we really go into what our relationship with him looks like. And there's three things that he highlights. And the three P words, I feel like I'm a grown-up pastor now, um, three P words, he highlights the power of God, the provision of God, and the promises of God. Power, provision, promises. If you're taking notes, I'm trying to make it easy. He, he says, remember back in Egypt. Remember what God did back there. Remember all the suffering that came onto the Egyptians. Remember all the plagues. Remember what happened back there. He says, he says remember the power of God. See, in, in their cultural context, these people, they had been in bondage for 400 years, over 400 years. Their identity as a people and as individuals was they were just slaves to this thing. That's who they were. It wasn't going to change. It wasn't going to get any better. That's just, that's just who they are. To be an Israelite meant it didn't mean that you were a person of God. It meant that you were enslaved to this thing. And yet Moses says, you remember when God came in and and plague after plague after plague, he knocked out the gods of the Egyptians and showed himself to be the one true God who can overcome any obstacle, who can break any chain of bondage, who can set any person free. Do you remember that? Okay, let's remember that the first thing you need to understand, this God that we are in relationship with, that we're standing before today, he is the God that is powerful and mighty to save. Amen? Amen. Amen. I like that. The the second thing, he says, all right, let's think about his provisions. He says, look at your clothes. It's like they're standing around. It's like, take a second. Do an inventory. Look at your shirt. It's like, okay, okay, yeah, my shirt looks good. Yeah, it's been 40 years, and it still looks good. Oh, yeah, that's true, right? And it's like, okay, now look further down. Look at your shoes. Your shoes look good. Yeah, these shoes look good. It's 40 years. Like, he's saying, Shoes don't normally do that. Especially sandals. He says, I mean, how many of you buy a pair of flip-flops and in a month they're like there's nothing left? <laughs> he, he's saying, look, look at your clothes, look at your sh- your clothes and your shoes. And it, it's, not, it's not showing like that they were made, like they're just real good, strong material, like just high-quality material. No, he's saying they are they are an indicator of a God who's good, of a God who's faithful. Of a God who can provide for his people. He says, we, we, You came together, you haven't eaten bread, you haven't drank any wine, you haven't, you haven't done this for yourselves. Who's fed you? God has. Over and over and over again, we see that God has provided for his people. And he says, well, Look, to understand the relationship we're gonna be in, you need to understand that not only is God powerful and mighty to save, but he is prov- a provider for his people. And the third thing he says, remember when we came into this place, remember when we came into this land, and these two kings, one after another, came out, and they, were, they wanted to defeat us, they wanted to kill us, and we were afraid, but God said, don't be afraid, I've given them into your hands. We, we were afraid because it, it seemed like we're, we're getting close to the promises of God, and, and things should get easier, right, the closer we are to God, that's just the way it should work. The closer we are to God, the easier our lives should be, and yet when the closer they were to the promised land, the land that God had given them, it seemed like the harder it got. These kings came out, and yet in the midst of their fear, God says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm still with you. Just because you see obstacles does not mean that I am absent. In fact, remember that I am powerful, and I am a provider, and I am faithful to my promises. And he says all these things to these people because they are so quick to forget who God is. Right? They're so quick to forget. And, and I think it's interesting because we, in this cultural context, we can read back through Exodus and we can say, well, if I was in that place, if I, if I saw God do all those things, I would, I would react differently. If I saw God provide and be powerful and be faithful to his promise, I wouldn't, I'd never forget God. I'd never forget all these things. And yet we do. We're so, we're so hard on the Israelites, even though we forget just as quickly, don't we? We do. We forget just as quickly. I I love, um, I mean, all throughout the New Testament, this idea, these uh, these attributes of God, we see them over and over again. One of my favorite places, I was thinking back through it, is Romans chapter 8. And I have it up on the screen for you. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 31 says, what then, this is Paul speaking to the church in Rome. He says, what then shall we say to these things? And and you can go back through and you can read chapter 8. And there's so much just in there, so many good things in chapter 8. But he says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? He says, remember that God is powerful. Remember that the chains that you feel like are just around you, the identity that you've been given that's like, well, this is just who I am. I'm just in bondage to this thing. He's saying, no, that's not who you have to be. If you are a child of God, then there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you are a child of God, if you have said yes to God, if you have submitted your heart to him, if you have submitted your life to him, then you can be free. You don't have to live a life of bondage. Amen? Do you believe that? We're a little slow on our amens this morning. I know it's cold. It's warm in here, though. We can believe Paul's saying God is powerful, and he goes on in verse verse 32. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So he gave us his son to set you free. What else do you need? What's what's your next thing? How will he not also give you all those things? How will he not also give you the things that you need? And sometimes we don't believe that we're given the things we need because we don't understand the things that we need. We don't we don't understand what it is that we're lacking, and yet God does, and he sees it from, from his perspective, and he says, No, I'm giving you, I'm providing you. Just trust me. I am a provider. I am powerful. Paul goes on to, to say in verse 33, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? I, I love this part. I, this is, okay, let's get excited. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? He's saying, look, let's remember who God is. Let's remember the God that we stand before today that we get to be in relationship with. Yeah. And yet oftentimes, the supernatural can become natural so quick. It's like when, when we went out to uh, visit my, uh, my wife's sister, my sister-in-law, and out in Colorado Springs. And I remember standing in front of the sink. And right out her kitchen window, you can see Mount Pike's Peak. That's right. I was totally blanking on it. This morning, as I was going back through this, I was like, I can't remember what that meant. I was like, maybe it'll come to me in the moment. But yeah, you could see Pike's Peak just right through the window. And I was like, oh my goodness. Every time you do dishes, you get to look out at Pike's Peak. This is amazing. That's incredible. And she was like, oh, I guess that is kind of cool. I guess, Yeah. We do the same thing. I just got done listening to uh, uh, Francis Chan, his new book, Letters to the Church, and he says it. He kind of highlights it this way, and I'm going to paraphrase, but he says, um, think about the things of God. Think about some of the news that we receive in relationship to that. Think about some of the news we receive. I'm engaged. I'm having a baby. The Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. (laughs) Uh, Probably not, but anyway, I don't know. I'm not a football guy. (laughs) Oh, Maren's leaving. I offended her. Uh, God has paid the price for my sins. He has offered me grace and forgiveness and desires to dwell with me for eternity. See, the good news of God that he is powerful and that he provides and he is faithful to his promises at times in our lives can hold the same level of significance and importance as any other good news. The supernatural becomes natural to us and we forget who it is that we stand before. And so that has that has implications on how we enter into relationship with him. We don't give it the weight that, that it, it requires. We don't give it the weight that God deserves as the one who is powerful and mighty to save. And First and foremost, if we are going to understand what it means to be in relationship with God, we need to understand who God is and give that the proper weight that it deserves, that he deserves in our life. He goes on. In, in verses 10 through 15, he, he basically is saying, all right, guys, like everybody's together. We're all together in this place. We're recommitting our lives to God. And then in verse, in verse uh, 16, he basically goes into walking through what this looks like. He says, you know how we lived in the land of Egypt and how we came through the midst of the nations through which you passed. And you have seen their detestable things, their idols of wood and stone, of silver and gold, which were among them. Okay, let's stop there. Again, he's going back and he's saying, all right, remember where you came from. Remember those 400 years of living among that culture. You saw all their gods. You saw, I mean, they had this whole pantheon, a, a whole group, a whole mess of gods, however you want to call it, a whole group of gods that they worshipped, that they bowed down to, that they gave their time, attention, energy to. He says, you remember what it looked like to live among that people to be a people among a people you remember what that looked like and and not only that but remember think about all the the nations all the people that we walked through to from that place to this place you saw all their idols their the the things that they worship the things that they put in place of me and he calls them detestable things and that word detestable, I was, I was looking through, and I'm like, well, what does that mean? And, and there's, all, there's a bunch of different, different things that you can, can say about this word, but, but basically it's unclean or abominable, and that word abominable, it's like, okay, I know abominable snowman, how does that relate, you know, to, to detestable? But abominable, it really means it, it's something causing moral revulsion, Something causing moral revulsion. I, I, you don't have to, I didn't really go into like where did the word revulsion come from, just because I like to say it. It's like you don't need to look too deep into the origins of the word revulsion to feel what it's supposed to mean. Like I, I want to ask you can, you, can you just say it with me, like group, group participation. I want you to say it with me. So at the count of three, we're all going to say revulsion. One, two, three, Revulsion. Yeah. Okay. Some of you didn't get it. I, I want, let's do it one more time. One, two, three, revulsion. Doesn't it, don't you just feel it right here? Like, like when I say that word, it's like, <laughs> like, like, it's like a being like, we have some new babies in here. Like, it's like when, when I remember with my kids, when they were young, it's like, you're smelling stuff and it's like, oh man, Please, God, no, something just happened, you know? And then you start to look, and it's like they blew out their diaper. And like Todd talked about one time, it's like your kids poop your pants, like not even theirs, but yours. And then you put them on the changing table, and you get ready to, to like, unveil what's happening. And it's like, oh, like, revulsion, like, that's the, that's the word, so then you, you've, you've seen it out there, and I think as the church and as the people of God, it's easy to think about what that means and, and to see it out there, the things that cause revulsion. It's like, oh, I can't believe that's happening out there. I can't believe those things are out there. And what he goes on to say, he says in verse 18, he says, Beware, lest there be among you a man or woman or clan or tribe whose heart is turning away today from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of the nations. He says, okay, yes, you remember what you see out there, those things that cause revulsion. He says, beware that the things you don't see out there start to take root in here. Beware that those things that you, you see and it's like, oh." cause revulsion out there aren't found in here. And he, there's, there's two different ways that he looks at this. The one way he says, beware, again, beware lest there be among you a root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit. Let's just stop there. I think it's interesting that he says, look, you need to beware that it doesn't, it doesn't start as a root in you. Beware that those things out there don't take root in you. And, and I mean, you guys know, you guys know what root's look like you don't even see them until you pull everything up and then it's like there's all this stuff below the surface and you don't see the root necessarily but you see the fruit of it the root is this thing that's like well i mean it's you don't really see it it's it's fine if we just cut the top of the dandelion off like it'll be okay we don't really have to get our hands dirty and dig deep But the reality is what Moses is saying is if you don't dig deep, those things, they don't stay roots. They grow and they manifest themselves. And even if it might not look like the things that we see out there that cause revulsion, maybe it's the same root in here. Maybe you're not murdering people around you. Hopefully not. You're not not murdering people around you. But at the same time, gossip, I believe, has the same root of frustration, and so it may, it may not manifest itself the same, but the root is here. Maybe you're not having a physical affair. Maybe you're not sleeping around. Maybe you're not, maybe you're not doing those things because we know as Christians, it's like, well, we know not to do those things. But the root of lust and, and clicking on things in the dark of night and, and focusing your eyes on things that you should not be focused on and fantasizing about things that you should not be fantasizing about, it's the same root. It's, it's, a, it's a lower rung of the same ladder. And, and just because we say, well, but it doesn't look the same or it's small, we, we just let it go and we give it a pass. And we don't call it what it is. It reminds me of when, when I was uh, at, at our house in, in Sumner, Iowa. is this old farmhouse. And I remember one time I was sitting at our, at our dining room table doing my morning devotions, and I saw something across the room scamper along the, the baseboard of our house. And it, I mean, it was a mouse. It was just like scampering. And my first thought Honestly, my first thought was, oh. Oh, that's cute, right? I mean, mice are just kind of cute. They're like, oh, nice. But but then we're so really like, no, that's not. I mean, that was my first response until I started to find poop in our silverware drawer. Like, come on, right? Until the mice started eating. My snacks and my kids' snacks, it's like, ugh, something's, you know, then it's like, something's got to be done about this, you know? And, and so we, we put out traps, and, you know, we're not very humane. We put out, like, those glue traps, those sticky traps, and, and, and in one trap, we set it out, like, in the morning, and then mid-morning, there were three mice on it. It was like they were working together as a team trying to get the food. I mean, it was, it was crazy, but, but that's, that's the way it is oftentimes for our spiritual life we allow things to come in and our first response is not, I got to confess this. It's not, I got to get, I got to take care of this. It's, it's okay. Nobody can see it. It's okay. It's concealed. It's okay. You know, it's not, it's not causing too many problems. But the reality is, is that we need to cause those, we need to call those things what they are. Paul says in, in Philippians that those things, they are, they are refuse. Anything compared to knowing God, he says, I consider it all garbage. I consider it crap. And I know that's a crass word, but that's Paul uses even stronger language. So that I don't have enough guts to say that in front of all you. He says, that's what it is. And, and Moses says, don't allow what you see out there to take root in here confess it, take care of it, even if it's small. The, the best example I ever saw of this was when Austin Ward was on staff with us. He's, him and his wife are, are now overseas, they're doing some amazing things, we sent them as a church. Um, but Austin Ward, he would come in sometimes and he'd say, Luke, I need to confess some stuff, I need to confess to you. And he would tell, I can't remember exactly some of the things, but he would tell me things that like my initial response was like, okay. <laughs> I mean, it, they were so small. And so, so in my mind, I was like, wow, that, that seems really small and insignificant. And yet in his mind and in his heart, he desired nothing to take the place of God, nothing to even be taking root in his life that could cause pain and cause separation between him and God and his relationship with God. And you might say, well, but then we'd have to be confessing all the time. And it's like, I think that's kind of the point. I think that's the point. I desire, I desire to be a person who has a conscience that is not hardened by what I see out there, but is softened by my relationship with a God who is powerful and mighty to save, who provides for his people, who is faithful to his promises. And and idolatry, idolatry really is anything that we say yes to that takes us away from saying yes to God. Really, isn't it? And the point is, confess your sins one to another. And if you're like, well, but it's not, I mean, it's not really sin. Well, confess it and see what happens. (laughs) Confess your sin one to another. Don't allow those things to take root. He, He goes on to say in verse 20, or, excuse me, verse, I'm trying to find my place. 18, beware lest there be among you a man or woman or clan or tribe whose heart is turning away today from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of the nations. Beware lest there be among you a root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit. Verse 19, one who when he hears the words of, his sworn, of this sworn covenant blesses himself in his heart saying, I shall be safe though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. This will lead to the sweeping away of moist and dry alike. The Lord will not be willing to forgive him, but rather the anger of the Lord and his jealousy will smoke against that man. And the curses written in this book will settle upon him, and the Lord will blot out his name from under heaven. He he says, okay, yeah, take care of those roots, those things that maybe nobody sees, but also beware that you're not a person who, when you hear the things of God, when you hear what God defines as sin, you don't say, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I I know that this is what God said and, and, and it, it seems like this is really harsh and it sounds like oh God's gonna blot his name out, and there's gonna be curses and all these things. But what he's what he's saying is that if you turn back just a few pages, you'll see it says blessings for obedience, curses for disobedience. It's like, it's like when I was, a, I went back home, uh, grew up in Kirksville, Missouri, outside of Kirksville, actually. And I went back home a, a few years ago now, I guess it was. And we were on some back roads I hadn't been on for a long time. And we got to this crossroad, and there was this ro- I was going to go straight, but the sign said, bridge is out. It was like, eh, we'll see. <laughs> I mean, I'd been there before, I'd, I'd been on that road before, and even though the sign said one thing, I was like, yeah, I mean, mm, we'll see, I think I can get through. So I went, I kept going, and sure enough, the road continued to deteriorate, the ruts got deeper and deeper, I think I was maybe in my van, which is not the best vehicle for off-roading, <laughs> minivans, they're great for most things, but four-wheel driving, not so much, we got to the end, and the ruts were deep and all these things, and I'm thinking, maybe that sign is right, and I get to the end to this big canyon, I mean, as far as Missouri goes, right, and sure enough, the sign was right. <laughs> Who knew? The sign was right, but I was in a place now where it's like... I, what do I do? How do I get out of this place? How do I, how do I go on? And what, what Moses is saying is he's saying, look, there are signs that God gives to us. There, there are blessings and curses written in his word that if we say, well, nothing's happened to me thus far, so I'm going to keep going. I talk to people about purity, and, and people say, well, I, you know, like, how do, how, do you, how do you know if you want to get married unless you try it out first? How do you, how do you know if, you know, i talk to people about generosity, It's like, well, yeah, that seems crazy. How do you live uh, a generous life life compared to what the Bible says in today's culture? How how do we do these things? Well, I'm just gonna keep going. I know that's what the science says, but I'll just keep going. And what Moses is saying is, you're gonna get to a place where everything that was written is going to come true, and you shouldn't be surprised when you get to the, the destination that your path is taking you on. You shouldn't be surprised when that happens. He actually goes on to say in verse In verse 20, he says, The Lord will not be willing to forgive him. Three times it talks about the curses written in this book. Verse 21, And the Lord will single him out from all the tribes of Israel for calamity in accordance with all the curses of the covenant written in this book. Again, he's saying, look, it's it's not hard to understand. It's right here. The sign says, bridges out. Don't keep going. It's not only curses, but it's blessings. He he goes on and, and he says in verse 25, Then people will say, it is because they abandoned the covenant of the Lord. Right before that, the, the nations are coming together, the future generations, and they're saying, what happened here? How did, they, how did it get this bad? How did they go so far? And he says, in, again, verse 25, then people say, it's because they abandoned the covenant of the Lord, the God their father, which he made with them when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. What he's saying is he's saying, look, if you're going to go down that path, don't be surprised when you get to the destination. Because to be in a relationship with God and saying yes to who God is means saying no to, to all the other things that aren't God. It means, it means shutting those doors. It means not letting it take a root. It means not going and saying, yeah, we'll see. We'll see, God. We'll see if that it really happens. It's saying yes to God. It's saying yes to the blessings and saying no to the curses. It's saying yes to who God is and, and no to, to all the things that he isn't. And yet when we say yes to what he isn't, don't be surprised when we get to the, it's like my, my son, they youth group last week, um, Keaton, and they, I guess they made Hot Pockets, right? After, after youth group. I know, Sierra's like, really? Hot Pockets. <laughs> yeah, and we got home and, and my son was like, man, I don't feel so good. My stomach doesn't feel great. it's like, well, what'd you eat? I eat Hot Pocket. It's like, no more questions are needed, right? No, I didn't ask, well, what kind of Hot Pocket was it? I mean, it's like... I mean, buddy, I got nothing for you, right? You you eat that, you're going to feel a certain way, and you go to this place where it's like we'll see. And and Moses is saying, don't do that because if we're going to be in relationship with God, remember who God is, and saying yes to who God is is saying no to these other things. And so say no to him. He goes on in verse uh, in verse. 29 of 29, he says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. See, the reality is there are things in Christianity that we would say, well, I don't understand that. I don't, I don't know what that means. Isaiah says it this way. He says, uh, my ways are not your ways," says the Lord. My thoughts are not your thoughts. There are things about God that would say, well, I don't understand that. And there are things about saying yes to God where we would say, well, I don't know what all that will mean. I don't know what the implications of this will be. I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't know what it's, what's going to happen if I truly start to confess sin in the way that you say I should confess sin. I don't know what's going to happen if I, if I start to pay attention to the signs that say bridges out and stop going in that direction and turn around. I don't know exactly what that will be like and what, what that will look like. And yet what God says, what Moses says here is he says, that, yes, there are things that you don't understand, but there are things that are revealed to you. So don't, don't give more weight to what you don't know and less weight to what you do. I, I, heard, a, I heard a speaker saying one time that people talk about how the, you know, this idea of like the Bible is really hard to believe, and I have trouble with the Bible because there are so many things in it that I just don't understand. And he would say, the trouble I have with the Bible is obeying the things that I do understand, There are things about being in a relationship with God that at times can be hard and difficult. I mean, the reality of counting suffering as joy, loving your neighbor as yourself. Loving means don't keep a record of wrongs. Like, there's all these different things. It's like, well, don't don't let what you don't know about following God keep you from following what you do know. He goes on, and this is where we're going to end it. Deuteronomy in in chapter 30, verses 19 through 20. I I love it. It, This is kind of the crescendo, and I know we're skipping over a lot of things, and I told you it was only one chapter, and I lied, and I confess. See, it's good for the soul. That was a joke anyway. (laughs) Verse 19. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse, Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. This is, I'm setting it before you today. The relationship that God would have for you, the, this, this thing that God would have us enter into with a God who is powerful and a God who provides for his people and a God who is faithful to his promises. He's saying, I'm setting it before you today. You can see it in his word. You can see it in the law. I'm setting it before you. Blessings and curses. Life and death. It says, Choose life. Choose life. Say yes to the things of God and no to things that are going to take you away from God. Stop going down those paths where you know the end is going to be destruction and turn around. You see, the reality is, I believe so many of us, we know what it means to follow Jesus. We know what it would mean to say yes to God. We know the sins that are taking root in our lives. We know the things that, that are not good for us. They're not good for our relationship. They are not good for us knowing more of God. And yet for some reason, we allow the things that we don't know to take precedence over the things we do know. And so what I'm saying this morning is the same thing that Moses said to his people. Is He's saying, it's set before you today. The relationship that we can have with God, with a God who is powerful and mighty to save. You, you see, when you say yes to the things that keep you in bondage, what you're doing is you're saying no to the reality that God is powerful enough to save you. Amen? Do you see that? When you say no, to, when you say yes to the fears of, well, what's going to happen, or, or I don't know if we can do that because this, or you're saying no to the God who is faithful to provide, When you say yes to those things, the the things where it's like, well, I don't know if God's going to come through in this, so I got to make my own way. I got to, I got to pursue relationships in this way because that's what the culture shows, and that's what that's what everybody does. So I got to do this. I got to do this thing, or I got to, I got to make money this way, or I got to lie and I got to tell stories about myself that aren't exactly true. What you're doing is you're saying no to a God who is faithful in fulfilling His promises to His people. And what we see here in scripture is Moses standing before his people in the same way that I'm standing before you today, and he's saying, say yes to God. Enter into the relationship that God would have for you. And for those of you in here, you know the sins that you need to confess. You know the things that you need to stop doing. You know what it means to say yes to God. And maybe for some of you in here, you're like, well, I said yes to God 20 years ago. I say yes. I said yes to God 5 years ago. I said yes to God 1 year ago. The reality is we need to say yes to God as long as it is today. So for you in this moment, my question is what are things that you've been saying yes to that's not him? That are taking you away from him? And what would it look like for you to say yes to a God who is mighty to save you, who will provide? was faithful in his promises. What would that look like for you? Because in this passage, what we see what it looked like for the Israelites is they were able to, to walk in the blessings of God and generation upon generation after them could do the same because they said yes. What would it look like for Anthem Church for you to say yes to God today? Let's pray. God, We love you. We praise you. I praise you for your your goodness and your willingness to to fulfill your promises. I praise you for for your ability, the power that you have, that that no no one can come between us and you. God, I praise you for the fact that you have sent your son to die. God, that there are so many things that I don't understand, but the reality is that I am a child of you because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And God, I know even as I preach this message, there are some things in my life that they're small, they seem insignificant. And yet, God, I know that if they're allowed to remain, there is a high probability, there's a high chance that they could manifest themselves, they could produce fruit that is poisonous for my life. And God, I don't want those things anymore. God, help us to just continually say yes to you as long as it is as it is today whenever we whenever we're confronted with any of those things that that threaten to take our place God when we're when we are made aware of the little mice in in the house of our lives God that we wouldn't just say oh, or say oh it's it's small it's ex- insignificant but God we would enter into relationships where we can confess those and as a community of believers we can say yes to you instead of Yes to all these other things. God, give us a strong foundation that we can continue to build on. We love you that you have first said yes to us and so we can say yes to you. We love you. It's in your name. Amen.